hopefully. Let's look into God's word. We are in a series, a four-part series, talking about the word of God. And the first one we talked about was the fact that God, God's word educates us. The second one we're talking about is how God's word confronts us. So let's begin with scripture. And I'm going to be as quick as possible. I will not try and I will try not to take too much time. Let's go to the scriptures. The scripture that says, uh, you, however, continue in these things. You, however, continue. This is uh, 2 Timothy 3, 14, 15, and 16. Continue in these things. Can you see that scripture? Is it in front of you? Do you have your Bibles? 2 Timothy 3, 14, 15, 16. You, however, and Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, you continue in the things that you have learned and you have become convinced and you know them and you know who taught you and you have learned them each word is so critical over here okay you have become convinced you know who taught them taught you that uh, you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings the sacred writings which are able to give you circle wisdom they're able to give you wisdom and lead you into salvation by your faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, teaching, reproof, connection, training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate in every good work. So the man of God would be adequate in every good work. So two key words here, inspired, profitable the word of god is inspired and the word of god is profitable helpful uh, practical okay so it is inspired by god that means listen to me god has desired to give us his wisdom for our lives i want you to think about that that's a sentence you can very easily go over and pass by god is desired to give you the wisdom for our lives so believers, those who know God, those who are in a relationship with God, have an option to live by their own wisdom or live by God's wisdom. To live by fleshly wisdom or to live by heaven's wisdom or spiritual wisdom. And these two conflict, so that's another issue altogether. And the second thing he says is it is profitable for man, for the man of God, for the one who wants to serve God, the one who wants to serve God's purposes. So God has blessed us with his wisdom in our lives. God has blessed us with his wisdom in our lives. What does it do? Number one, it educates us about God's purposes. Number two, it confronts us when we drift away. How many of you drift away? All of us. When do you drift away? Always. At all times, we are constantly swaying in one day or the other. Remember, we are sheep. We are sheep. And what do sheep do? Sheep are constantly straying. There's a... There's a whole role of the shepherd to keep the sheep on the right track so the word of god confronts us and number two three the word of god counsel us counsels us to get back on track and finally the word of god coaches us to stay on track educates confronts counsels coaches educates confronts counsels and coaches so over these four weeks we are basically looking at this uh these four things that the word of god does let's dive in the bible confronts our misguided lives this is a tough one this is a tough one in the four-part series. Why? Because it has the potential to offend, to cause offense, to come across as offensive. Because it makes an assumption. 
This assumption is our lives are misguided. When I say the term, our, the Bible uh, confronts our misguided lives, uh, the assumption is that our lives are misguided. And that could be offensive to some people. Uh, when I say the Bible confronts our, our misguided lives, you might be saying, speak for yourself, Einstein. Uh, your life may be misguided. I'm okay. So let's make one. Let's make another assumption. If God, listen very carefully, I'm making an assumption here. If God was in fact the author of our lives and did have a plan for our life and he has made clear his precautions and then we adamantly defied it and we did our own thing. Okay, should I start again? If God was in fact the author of our lives and he is and did have a plan for our life and he does and had made clear the precautions and we adamantly defied it and we did our own thing then if God is gracious and he is if God is loving and he is just and holy should he not confront us his creation his children as his duty isn't it the duty of a godly parent to confront the child isn't it duty to guide and confront behavior that's going off track so when we assume that our lives are misguided we also assume that god is a loving gracious just holy uh, god and he's a father who does confront us look at hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So if we have gone astray, if we've wandered off, if we've gone our own way, if we've defined life for ourselves and we've created our own gods, would it not require faith to agree with God and accept the intervention into our lives? So you need to have faith to allow God to intervene in your life and tell you what's wrong. It takes trust in God because when somebody comes and corrects you, you need to trust that person and then only you listen to that person's correction. You need to have faith that that person has his best interest in mind. A lot of people correct me all the time. And when they come and correct me, my first question is, why do you, what do you care? Why do you care about what's right or wrong in my life? So my first question, is do I trust you and if I trust God then only and only then will I uh, receive his correction because it's not about how bad we are it's about how good he is whenever we take correction or we talk about correction or God corrects us immediately we, we, we feel bad we feel like we are being exposed but the truth of the matter is when God confronts us he wants us to be good like him he wants us to be like him. Let me tell you something about religion. Religion bases everything on character and your work. Religion bases everything on our character and our work. See, God doesn't see the same way people see. People look at the outside of a person, but God looks on the inside. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. So what does the Bible do? The Bible bases everything on his character and his work. My friend, God is not trying to expose you. When God corrects you, he's not trying to make you feel horrible about yourself. 
God is never trying to make you feel guilty and sick about yourself. It's never about condemnation. God will always put his character on the line so that you can adopt his character and be like him. God only confronts you in so much that you may align yourself to his character. So the Bible bases everything on his character and his work. Your character and your work has been forgiven. I'm going to say it again so that you listen to me. Your character and your work has been forgiven once and for all. So we're never going to go back there. We're never going to talk about that. We're going to talk about God's character and God's work and aligning with that. So we agree. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6. We all have wandered away. Like sheep, each of us has gone his own way. We all have wandered away. So we do drift. We do wander. We do go astray. We are misguided. And the word of God confronts our misguided lives. Romans chapter 3 says, there's none righteous, not even one. Okay? So when we trust God, we obey. And when we obey, we do what's next. Whatever God tells us, exactly, we do that. So here's the basics of obedience. A, B, C, D. The A, B, C, D of obedience. Basic, fundamental uh, obedience to God. These are the four things we do when we trust God. Firstly, God, he confronts our attitudes. A for attitude. Secondly, he confronts our behavior. B for behavior. The third thing, he confronts our confusion. C for confusion. And the fourth thing is he confronts our desires. D for desires. Let's go through the, all four of them. Number one, he confronts our attitudes. Our attitude towards love. Our attitudes towards life. Our attitude towards success. And our attitude towards eternity. Sometimes we don't live in the light of eternity. Sometimes we don't live with the right attitude towards love. 1 Corinthians 13 is a beautiful description of what real love is like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not hold account of wrongs suffered. It doesn't keep score. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. One, pass, one line in that which I haven't included here. Let me just say it. It says love is not easily offended. Love is not easily offended. Are you a person who constantly gets offended? Uh, it takes nothing to offend you. You're very quickly offended. You're not a loving person. God, God's word confronts that. So it's only when I open God's word, I know where I'm misguided. He confronts our love, attitude towards love. He confronts our attitude towards life. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 says, My child, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in mind. Then you will live long and your life will be successful. Underline it. <clears throat> then you will live long and your life will be successful. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will what? Meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Why? So then your way will be prosperous and then you will have good success. What does God want? He wants your success. He wants your effectiveness. He wants your fruitfulness. He wants your life to be impacting. He wants to make it happen. He wants to drive it. He wants to be the cause for which your life on earth is a blessing to him. The Bible says we on earth, our lives are, a, are on display. We're putting God's wisdom on display. Can you imagine? We are the, 
the church is the manifold wisdom of God on display. We people are, the, are, are, are showing to the others what life can be like if we lived it by the wisdom of God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. So the first A is we, he confronts our attitudes. Our attitude to, towards love, our attitude towards life and success and also eternity. Let's go to uh, B. He confronts our behavior. The ABC of obedience. He confronts our, our behavior toward each other. The way you speak to people. The way you uh, sound to people. The way you come across to people. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, 4 and 5 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Out of empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look at your own interests, but look at the interests of others. Then he says, have this attitude in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So he confronts your attitude by talking about your behavior. He talks of the next step is your behavior. He, behind every behavior is a motivation. Behind all our behavior is a motivation. And behind that motivation is a belief. If you believe you are being robbed, if you believe you are being shortchanged, injustice is coming your way, if you believe that somebody is trying to uh, overpower you or get ahead of you or make use of you or take advantage of you, if you believe that your motivation for the work you do, for the way you talk, for the way you behave will be misguided. Have this attitude in you which is also in Christ Jesus. I'm just using scripture to support this notion here that God's word helps us. Number one, God confronts our, he confronts our attitudes. A for attitude. Number two, he confronts our behavior. C, he confronts our confusion. Confusion about purposes in our lives. Confusion about roles in our lives. The role of men and women. Genesis chapter 5 verse 1 and 2. When God created man, he made man in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and he named them man. When they were created. God wants his word to define his purposes. God wants his word to define the roles of our lives. Gender is God's idea. Sex is God's idea. We don't join the world in redefining his purposes to suit our urges. Our urges, that, that, that's the devil's proposition. The devil is the one that says, uh, I think he's hiding something from you. Go ahead and eat from that tree. It's the devil that goes to Jesus and says, Ah, oh, you are God. You can turn stone into bread. Go ahead, eat it. Turn stone into bread. Why be hungry? Don't, 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 don't rob yourself. Don't rob yourself of, of your urges, of, of, your, of your appetites. I mean, goal in life is for you to be happy. That's from the devil. That lie is from the devil. The truth is you'll never be happy until you obey God. So we do not join the world, that is ungodly wisdom, to redefine the definitions that God so God conf confronts <coughs> our confusions, our confusion of men of, about masculinity and femininity, our roles as husband and wife and children. 
<coughs> Ephesians 5 and 6 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. As the church yields to the Christ, so you wives should yield to your husbands. Children, obey your parents as to the Lord. Children, obey your parents as the Lord wants. Now you break one of those, you need to break all. So husbands shouldn't uh, submit to Christ. Wives shouldn't submit to husbands. Children shouldn't submit to parents. Why pick only one of the three? Throw the whole thing out. Reorder everything. Live by your own rules. So the word of God conf confronts our confusion about the family. The world redefines it for their own convenience. We go back to the scripture and we are confronted by God's word. The, the word confronts us about our witness. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people. He keeps telling you, you're precious. You're separate. You're sanctified. I told you this morning, twice over in my opening prayer and during talking about tithing, I told you, you are blessed. You are different. You are not like the rest of the world. Your homes are not like other worldly homes. You are not like, you men are not like other ungodly men. You women are not like other ungodly. We are different. We are set apart. We are colored differently. We, we, have, we have the holy uh, uh, righteous garb of Christ upon us. We wear the righteousness of Christ. We walk in the holiness of Christ. We are different. We are set apart. We don't live by the world's wisdom. We don't even engage the world's uh, wisdom. And if we are foolishness to the world, so be it. Get used to it. I, I dare you. Be smart to the angels. Not to the world. If you're going to be dumb to somebody, be to the world. Because you're never going to see them for eternity. Be smart to the ones who are watching you. Because the church is the manifold wisdom of God on display for all angels to see. That's what Ephesians chapter 3 says. That the world, that the angels would see in the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Men, come on. Man up. Women of God, put on that holy armor. Children, submit to your parents and show in your submission that you love Jesus. It is the work of God and God's word conf uh, confronts that confusion. The world will confuse you. The word of God will correct you. The word will confuse you, but the word of God will confront you and, and correct you. So as witnesses, who are we to be? We are chosen to tell the wonderful acts of God. We are not here to live our lives like anybody else and have a career, two cars, uh, two houses and two wives. God wants us to live separate from the world. God wants us to be uh, holy and separated to him. What about serving? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. God has a, a list of things he wants to do through you. God wants to do some amazing things through you and God has ordained great work through your life. The role of serving, if there's any confusion, God will correct that and confront that through his word. The role of serving in terms of attitude, the son of man did not come to, to, serve, uh, to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Mark chapter 10 verse 34 and 35. So if you have any confusion about serving, the, the, Lord, the word of God will confront that. What are we talking about? We're saying that the word of God confronts our misguided lives. So when I go to the word of God, I haven't held the Bible in my hand for a while. When I go to the word of God and when I read the word of God, 
the word of God speaks to me and the word of God confronts me when I'm misguided. When I'm misguided, children can be misguided and we are children of God. And the, the word of God lovingly brings me back on track. So A is for attitudes. The word of God confronts our attitudes. B is for behavior. The word of God confronts our behavior. C is for confusion. The word of God confronts our confusion. And D is for desires. The word of God confronts your desires. Every day, every other day, we have a certain desires that come into our lives, into our heart. My friends, my brother and sister, there is nothing wrong with desires. There's nothing wrong with desires. But the problem with the desire is if it requires or desires an un ungodly thing, it leads you in the direction. And a thought sown will lead to a thinking pattern. A thinking pattern will lead to an action pattern. An action pattern will lead to a habit pattern. A habit pattern will destroy you. So a desire is the stage at which it needs to be corrected. And God checks your heart. He checks the desires. Worship and your will. Worship and your will. Worship is about who is the center of your life. Your will is about who sits on the throne of your life. Your will is what is surrendered to God. So God checks our worship. Is there any small gods in our life? Is there a big God? Oh yeah, there's a big God. Is he on the throne? Oh yes. But we have small gods. A small dream. A small desire for somebody in our life. A small desire for something in our life. And that desire takes over. And have you seen yourself in the mirror lately? How angry you get when you don't get what you want? When things don't go your way? So when you look in the mirror and you see that anger, you see that upsetness, you see that confusion, you see that, that, that uh, anxiety because you didn't get what you want. You know what that is? It's worship. It's worship for an idol. It's idolatry. And the Bible confronts that. It tells you, hey, God is on the throne, but you seem to be having another small throne coming up in your life. This person is taking too much attention in your life. This dream is taking too much attention in your life. Or this priority, or even this laziness. This laziness is taking too much attention in your life. Or the desire to not have any goals in your life. You just want to drift. You just want to do your own thing. You just want to be free. You don't want anybody to tell you what to do. You yourself could become an idol in your life. The self is the worst idol that we worship. Love for yourself is the worst kind of love. Love for others is the best kind of love. And don't let the world lie to you about that. So he confronts our desires. The Bible, isn't that beautiful? When God praises you, when he blesses you, he blesses you publicly. When God blesses you, he exalts you, he exalts you publicly. When he confronts you and when he corrects you, he does it in private, quietly with you. He says, come, come quietly with me. Come, let's have a quiet time. He says, open your Bible. Let me tell you something. You know what? This is taking you down the wrong track. And God in privacy of you and him and your Bible, he confronts you. And he gives you the faith. He gives you the faith to accept that what he's saying is true. He gives you the wisdom to see that what the world told you is a lie. He gives you the humility and the grace to, to correct your actions. And he gives you the strength to go out and make the changes. God, 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 God and his word, his word, his spirit, his spirit, his grace, all the way, all for you. He confronts our desires. 
Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Matthew chapter 4, 10 says, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to confront the idols in your life. He will confront the worship in your life. He will confront. Sometimes we want the things we don't uh, the, for the wrong reason. And God will confront us in that area as well. James chapter 4, verse 2 to 4. You must watch this. You must look at these verses. I'm almost done, by the way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You want things, but you don't. But you do not have them, James says. So you are ready to kill and, and, and are jealous of other people who have them, but you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and you fight, James says. You do not get what you want. Why? Because you don't ask God. You don't ask God. God, this is what I want. God, is it okay that I want this? Did you hear me? God, this is what I want. God, is it okay that I want this? When you ask, you do not receive because the reason you ask is wrong. You want things so you can use them for your own pleasures. God doesn't give you stuff for yourself. God gives you stuff to use for others. Will he take care of your needs? Absolutely. Will he take care of your greeds? No. So you are not loyal to God. You should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. James chapter 4 verse 2 to 4. So when we are entertaining desires in our life and desires come from don't know where, we get up in the morning and suddenly we have this fresh desire to do this. We run a check by God and God's word confronts us and say, you know, that's a desire you need to go after. Or listen, that's a desire you need to drop to the ground. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Just let it go. Give it up. And that's a life that's open to the word of God saying, Lord, here, don't inspire me. Don't just inspire me, but instruct me. Don't just instruct me, but correct me. Lord, is there anything in my life that makes me look less than you? Is there anything in my life that is making me uh, misrepresent you? All right, let's close. No matter what area of life, no matter what role of life or purpose in life, the Word of God speaks clearly, relevantly, powerfully to those areas. The Word of God speaks clearly, relevantly, and powerfully to those areas. You may be 58 years old. You may be 38 years old. You may be 8 years old. The Word of God knows how to talk to you. The Word of God knows how to correct you. The Word of God knows what you understand and how you learn. So if you're an 8-year-old, read the Bible. If you're a 38-year-old, read the Bible. If you're a 58-year-old, read the Bible. The Bible knows exactly how to instruct you, and He will. It gives us guidance and it cautions us. It protects us from going down the wrong track, and it helps us see three things. The signs, the patterns, and the symptoms. Write it down. The Word of God helps us to see signs that we're going in the wrong direction. The, help, the Word of God helps us to pick up patterns in our life that are, uh, uh, are self-destructive or are going to hurt others. And the Word of God helps us to see symptoms, helps us to discern symptoms in our life. Love the Word. Members of CL, friends of CL, visitors this morning, love God's Word. Love the Bible. Love your Bible. Get back to your Bible. Make it the thing you Read so much that the voice of God becomes louder than the voice of the world. When the voice of the world starts making sense, when the voice of the world starts becoming attractive, 
starts making uh, starts becoming rational fear for your lives fear for your lives when the when, when the wisdom of this world becomes attractive to you you are a child of god you are a child of god all the things of this world the philosophies and the and the ideologies and the religiosities are of the devil because anything is not of god is of the devil so you can't have god from heaven and god from earth too that's confusion that's of the devil everything every trickery of the mind and the heart is from the devil so when you are under so much attack and it's and the fight is so real how can you take a chance of not knowing what what is on god's mind what is on god's heart how can you take a chance and not let the word of god talk to you get back to your bible Jeremy Dawson and if you liked what you just saw if it was a blessing then hit the subscribe button come on you can do it hit the subscribe button uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us lots of videos coming your way songs worship encouragement come on subscribe let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know write a comment in the section below but let's see you guys again come on subscribe